Hello and welcome to Is This Really For Kids? The podcast where I, your host, Thea Touchton, a fellow traumatized former child, now adult, as we dive deep into hopefully last season of Misery for Other Children. But yeah, I analyze children's media and we just decide, is it really for kids? There's no rating system. We're just deep diving and talking about it and figuring it out as we go. Anyway, today we finish the final season of the series of Unfortunate Events series on Netflix. We last left the Baudelaire orphans, or really Klaus and Violet, because Sunny is in a car with Count Olaf. Klaus and Violet are in a caravan that is going down a large, tall mountain. Uh, and they're about to spiral to their death. And of course, Violet ties up her hair. And first I thought this was very cute. And now in stressful situations, I wonder, is it necessary? But it ends up working out for them because they realize that they can stop the wheel with these oars, but then the oar breaks, and then they decide to kind of make a parachute, which then gets caught, but it's fine. They end up hanging off of a cliff. Caravans are not safe for children. Netflix didn't really proclaim that it was safe for children, but I just want to reiterate that, you know, not the best thing for two 14-year-olds to be, you know, stuck in the back end. And then the caravan like has like falls down obviously because they're on a mountain and it like falls to the edge so they have to like rock climb up good thing that these children weren't disabled or like were very able-bodied children they're worried about sunny but they know that sunny is a fighter and a biter but poor sunny is put in the glove department of the car if you don't know i don't know how young people listen to this or and i don't even really drive but it's that like thing on the passenger side that they pop out and there's all the paperwork just so you know some people call it the glove department i don't know is there another name for it i guess it's weird were there driving gloves i'm so confused why do we call it the glove department anyway Story for another time. So then Cantaloupe is drinking and driving in the mountains that are like where I lived for a time in Timber Creek Canyon and Oyve, you know, I just, ugh, it's so reckless and it's so dangerous. And anyway, also in the mountains though, he, he regrets that he didn't hear the splat of the Baudelaire orphans, which is terrible, terrible, terrible. We're dealing with really evil people here. Anyway, then we get to meet Kit Snicket, who has the dragonfly wings. She's also in the mountains and Holy goodness, is she pregnant? And she's hang gliding and whatever. What can't pregnant women do? I feel like my mom used to get so mad when she saw this because she was like, you can't do that when you're pregnant. She was so mad. Like, I remember there's like this, well, I'll save it for Glee, but stay tuned for my Glee episode for more things that are hard to do and while pregnant. Count Olaf's troop is kind of, they're questioning their life's choices. They've been aiding and kidnapping and murdering, and they kind of are starting to feel like they need therapy. And the troop too now has like these, the new like circus freaks that have joined and they now kind of feel like, uh, does Count Olaf think that we are also freaks? We're not like you, even though they are kind of freakish in their own way. And Violet is sad because she is like, if our parents are alive, I can't face them without having Sunny, which is so, so, so sad. And then they meet some snow wasps that are honestly very scary. And they basically try to sting them. So Klaus and Violet go to a cave and there's something in there that really scares them. And her name is Carmelita. I couldn't remember what the name was called, but I sort I remember the group from the book, but it took me a long time to remember the name. I like literally was like Snow Wasp, Snow Queen, Snow Nats. And in this band of Snow Nats, which are essentially like knockoff girl scout, boy scouts, but it's like co-ed. 
Why do we separate Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts? Kind of weird. Hook Guy, meanwhile, is making Sunny Baudelaire outfits. And Sunny, oh, she's a cute, she's an adorable baby. This baby is so cute. I don't even think babies are cute, so that's saying something. I also think it's sweet that the Hook Guy is like knitting, I guess, essentially, because he's got hooks. Kind of funny. Maybe slightly ableist of a joke. I don't know. Anyway, then the Snowdats have this like alphabet pledge where they list all these A through Z adjectives and they like pledge to be all of these adjectives, but how anyone can be xylophone, we don't know. And everybody's experiencing a fall spring where it's slightly warm before it's cold again. Esme is being vain fashionable diva, VFD, you know? And then we sort of realize that unfortunately a survivor of the fire met the last quagmire, not not the Baudelaire parents. And the quagmire brings up the story that the Baudelaire's mom used to read. Because it's apparently part of the secret code, like everything they were learning that they thought was just like innocent and normal and for their family is actually all part of this secret organization. It's pretty crazy. And then Countoff's troop leave and they're gonna go like, go have a farm. And they wanna turn their life around. Even the man who is neither a man or a woman is leaving with them. In the books, they die at the hospital, but... In the series, they keep them live, alive long enough for right now. They just kind of have a realization that they carpooled with dangerous people, which I thought was very funny. And then when they first meet Quigley Quagmire too, he has a fencing mask, so they can't really like see who he is. And he keeps dropping VFD things like vertical flame diversion. And Carmelita is talking in her sleep and Quigley basically takes the Baudelaire's over and is like, you know, well-read people are less likely to be evil. And they end up going to go explore this VDF headquarters. They have to pretty much like climb down a waterfall. It's pretty insane. Then they talk about how the Itsy Bitsy Spider is a sad story, which is actually very true. The Itsy Bitsy Spider is drowning. I guess he like survives the flood that the Itsy Bitsy Spider does, but it's still like dark. Like it is, it was a moment of life in which it, which the spider perseveres, but dang, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to be woke about the Itsy Bitsy Spider. I'll tell you that much. And honestly, then there's a spider above Carmelita and it is huge. It is scarily huge. Then Esme is just, you know, in the mountains pulling off these like fantabulous Oscar looks. They make Sonny the baby make breakfast and the henchmen set the table. Uh, the hook man is still helping. He's still pretty much like in it to win it. Count Olaf's dad, I guess, didn't approve of him doing theater. And see, that's what happens when you don't support the arts. Then you create criminals. So abusive people. So always just support your son. Won't turn him gay, I promise. Might turn him a little gay, but he won't die. Then I think we see some backlash of the bank robber with Mr. Poe, who's like tied up. Then poor Sunny is having like Stockholm syndrome. She's playing cards and is kind of trying to, is becoming like friends with the hook man. She's becoming friends with the hook man. So it's like an odd sort of thing. But the hook man is also like generally nice to her. And I really like liked this friendship between the hook man and Sunny. Like you are always rooting for the hook man to be good. But then they think that Sunny is trying to poison them. And and he makes the hook man try to throw off Sonny off of the top of the mountain, which is terrible. But then they wouldn't have any fortune. So I don't really know why he would want to do it. But ugh, and this baby is so adorable in her little cute yellow jacket. I'm not even a baby stan, but this baby is, oh, she's cute. And hook man is like, yeah, see, he's just, he's just trying to scare you, Count Olaf. He needs your fortune. He's not going to throw you off the mountain. He just needs an aura of menace, which I think is like so prevalent with abusers. Like they really do need to be menacing. Like they want to be menacing. They want to frighten people, which is so strange. 
Then we meet, honestly, the scariest people in this series. The man with the beard, but no hair, and the woman with hair, but no beard. And they are the ones who raised Count Olaf. They were his mentors. And then they meet his girlfriend, Esme, who's been mentioned in small reviews as an actor. Esme and I are on, like, the same... (laughs) tier thankfully i'm a little younger but her outfits in here are super cool anyway the man with a beard but no hair and the woman with hair but no beard is like don't worry about the headquarters i mean because they burned it down and then we don't technically know that yet we kind of find that out through the baudelaires but they're kind of disappointed that count Olaf is still surrounded by his idiot troop then meanwhile the baudelaires are at the headquarters where they need the lock that opens with language it's three phrases and if it's if they're wrong it locks forever so they won't ever be able to get in who designs stuff like this the puzzle makers man it's insane and then they realize that the book that they mentioned earlier is part of the phrase and it goes a rule life is simplicity best leads to tragedy which very interesting quote a lot to unpack there there's something in there it's kind of saying that like country life leads to sadness I don't know. I mean, I personally felt sad in country life, but um, I could see it leading to happiness if I had different values, uh, different things that I cared about. Then they realize the other part of the phrase that a daring life of impulse passion leads to something else, which is very true. Uh, I am living that daring impulse life of passion and it's something. But the mechanism is stuck and they had all of this hope about getting into VFD and then they realized it's just, it's all burnt down the secret headquarters. The kitchen, the ballroom, the inventing labs, the classroom, the movie theater, the hot tub, the library. There are so many secrets in there and no one will ever learn because it's burned down forever and it's super sad. This like podcast, the last like episodes are really, really dark. It like ends hopefully, but it's like, ooh, it tugs on your heartstrings. So we learned that Quigley Quagmire survived because his mother helped him into a secret tunnel. Listen, I wish that worked for everything. Like anytime you were, kids were in a abusive situation, your mom could just be like, here you go, here's a tunnel for you to go into to be safe. But Quigley talks about how like the secret tunnel led to Monty's house and all the other places that the Baudelaire's have been and the Baudelaire's tell him that like his siblings are safe and quickly promises that he's going to try to help save Sunny. Kit is skiing on a used tree bark. Pretty cool. I can't believe she's doing all this pregnant. She's a badass. But it's a hard thing because Count Olaf's troop really believes that like fire will solve every problem in the world, which I guess in a weird way it would because it would just turn everything to ashes and I everything would die. But I feel like that in itself is a problem. So it doesn't super make sense to me, but whatever. Anyway, back at the troop, they think that something is a cigarette, but really it's a smoke signal because it's like bright green. And the man with no hair, but a beard and the woman with hair, but no beard yell at Olaf for prancing around when he's supposed to be like just starting fires like why isn't the whole world burnt they're mad and Sunny with the cigarette is broadcasting her location for her siblings because obviously they don't even know where their sister is like they were trying to save themselves in the caravan they have no idea what direction Count Olaf's car took and no one takes Sunny seriously because they think she's just acting like a helpless baby but really she's like plotting against them because she's so smart and the man with no hair but a beard and the woman with hair but no beard Think that the Baudelaire's fortune is just small potatoes, that Count Olaf could have them all if he goes after the Snow Nat troop, the like Girl Scout spoof kids. And this is just goes to say, you know, not all mentors are good. Not all mentors are good at all. It's also crazy because when you go back to the secret organization, there are signs everywhere and it's like, 
Hmm, pretty wild for a secret organization. But Count Olaf feels like his friends have betrayed him because they laugh. And the man with no hair but a beard and the woman with hair but no beard is like, you don't need friends, you need guidance. Then we also learn that quickly Quagmire is a journaler. He goes with Violet to rescue Sunny. Klaus is like staying behind to see if he can learn anything from the, the secret organization. And so they're just like hooking down the ice. Super dangerous. Looks kind of fun though. This would be a great theme park. It would be so much fun. Uh, I hope somebody makes it. And then they like wait on the ledge for a little bit and quickly Quagmire is like making a move on Violet, all right? Which I guess makes sense. I always thought that Isadora and Klaus were going to be together and then um, Quentin was going to be with Violet, but I guess it makes sense that Klaus ends up liking Fiona who we'll meet in a little bit because it would be weird if both of them married into the Quagmires because um, they would be like technically... We get incestuous in a weird way. But anyway, Quigley is making a move on our girl because she's like, oh, it's a lovely view. And he's like, lovely indeed. And they're flirting. And Klaus and her are kind of in an argument because he wants to stay and spy and try to see if they can prevent what they've gone through to others and, you know, prevent going through it sooner because they've been traumatized and Violet is like we can't leave her and I and I can't leave you and she just like oh when she ties up her hair I want to like cry at this point because it's just she's going through so much this is such a hard place for the older sibling to be in to watch your other siblings get traumatized is never fun and basically they're like how did we get to be so brave because they really are they're keep putting their foot in front of another and that's like all you can do with trauma is like just keep persevering and just keep doing your best that you can you don't always have to be perfect you will make mistakes the Baudelaire's made mistakes they did like some terrible things but that doesn't mean that they're unlovable like they were always trying the best that they could and I think knowing that intention is what sets your journey and recovery that's the only way that you can forgive yourself if you knew that you were trying to just do the best that you could so then they find that there's a coded jam that is calling a whole meeting that is less than a week away at the last safe place. So then they start hiding things from Sunny by they put like a blanket over the birdcage that they have this baby in. Yes, this is an actual thing that is happening in the series. They have a baby in a birdcage. It's sad. And Esme is still on her way and she's got like this fire fashion outfit. How fitting. And she's chasing Quagmire, but then she gets trapped into a hot tub. And now they finally have leverage. They have a hostage for a hostage. And then it kind of goes with the same quote of like, oh, if you fight fire with fire, the whole world will go up in smoke. I mean, they would have had to definitely risk with more with Sunny, but it is kind of messed up that they take a hostage. Obviously, too, Esme was trying to kill them, so they had to do what they had to do. And Esme is excited to get to try to kill them again. And Klaus is just, honestly, the Baudelaire's are both just feeling that like being righteous gets you nowhere because they just can't catch a break. And they like then find out about the plan that they're trying to capture the snow scouts and murder the parents. But as Carmelita says, only cake sniffers care about democracy. So then they're taking Esme up the waterfall and then they're pressuring Hookman to slay the baby. They're like, be a man because being a man is killing babies now, apparently. Amazing. And the Baudelaire's are just feeling very, very sad, right? They feel like they're done. They've lost their parents, their home. They lost their sister. And the hookman ends up throwing the birdcage off of the the mountain. And he maybe thinks that he's doing Sonny a favor because he probably knows about how 
dark the organization is and how terrible the world is so they don't feel bad maybe about killing people maybe that's how they've justified it in their heads but they end up going to the mountain and they're like we're here to trade no one's really happy to see the Baudelaire's and they see Sunny and Carmelita argues that she's too adorable to kidnap even though they have kidnapped all of the other children man with no hair but a beard and the woman with hair but no beard takes Count Olaf's car and steals the keys and they're very impressed with Esme and they're going to like use her more and she basically like outshines Count Olaf which I think she does as a villain I think Esme like definitely has her crap way more together and is way more frightening in this and then it sucks though because Count Olaf that like kind of was his only parents the man with no beard and the woman with no hair because his dad is dead Carmelita ends up joining Esme and Count Olaf which honestly is perfect I love that I love that he was like I'm not letting Carmelita go she's too good of a character she's particularly nasty so now she feels all privileged because she has two sets of parents which is more than the Baudelaire's and it's just too much then poor Violet had to leave Quibbly on a branch because she couldn't break the sleigh and they just say that they'll meet at the last safe place and so they end up on a frozen lake because they're slaying away from all these evil people but then they find a submarine and it's a VFD submarine and then we learn about the phrase that the world is quiet here which is oh I love it I love it so much it's like the VFD slogan especially for the Netflix the whole reason that they started this thing is that they wanted a quieter more peaceful world and now we're to what was my favorite book uh, I don't think I really loved the episode too much but we'll get into that so the Baudelaire's have to prove that they're not dangerous because they've heard about them in papers the girl on the submarine but they do admit that like maybe they're a little dangerous but you can't believe everything that you've read in the papers and then we meet the captain who is female girl power what what like I loved the idea I'd never in my life when I was reading this book had like a female captain right that's just not even done not even on Spongebob and I just like I was here for it and her stepfather was gone which was also my dream as a teenager because my stepfather was so awful to me and they're already on a mission looking for the sugar bowl I also love how they like dress like a tourist family but then unfortunately Count Olaf is on this big scary sub that looks like a squid but fortunately if you're an optimist uh, you'll be very happy to hear that Optimus Phil is also here now called Called Cookie and he's a cook on an understaffed sub and he's like healed but then it was eaten by a shark and he's only basically been making gum because that's what he's used to at the Lucky Smells lumber mill and he has no idea what he's doing which I think are most men when they you know leave the nest so then they have this like plague and I love this like joke that they have where it's like he who hesitates is lost and it's like he or she is just harder to fit on the plague and I thought that was so amusing. I like semi-agree with that quote, but I also think that like putting some thought into decisions makes the decisions more likely to succeed often. Then Quigley is trying to go to Poe, but Poe doesn't help him of course because when has Poe ever been helpful in the series? But Kick Snicket helps Quigley. And then Carmelita is a princess fairy vet on a sub. Uh, love it. I, I'm so here for it. The, the actress is so adorable. She's so good. You're supposed to hate her, but you can't. This actress is like, she's killing it. She just did a really good job. So the hook man makes the chef salad that's vegetarian and Count Olaf bullies him for that and is just mad that he didn't end up tossing Sunny off of the cliff. Then we find this wonderful sub library, which also was like, I loved that in the book. I loved that there was a library underwater. There's going to be more of those too, but I just like, oh, it's such a cool imagery to me because it's like books in water don't go and I love to read in the water. So this is like, I read in the bath. I ruin like every book. So never lend me your books. Also, I need to stop reading. I know like people would say that, but I feel like I've wasted so much time 
reading. So she's a myclogist. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. But she basically studies mushroom, which I thought that was the coolest job ever. Oh, I wish I went and studied mushroom. I just didn't think there was any money in that. And the dialogue in here is really fast. I mean, there is like a lot to cover in these last remaining episodes. So I get it. But it is it's hard to keep up with. So definitely like this might not be one that's bad to like rewatch over and over. So basically all they learn is that the sugar bowl is important, uh, which is not untrue. And they have the sonar equipment on the ship that is kind of detecting something. And Violet and Fiona don't really get along. It's kind of like a weird female alpha war. I kind of like the switch. And Klaus kind of just tries to, you know, like, cause he's got a crush on Fiona is like, you know, we've just been through a lot and there's so much pressure and it's really funny because they're in a submarine so they're like actually now is a lot of pressure and it is interesting that Violet and Fiona fight because they are really alike they're like strong-willed they're pretty they're like good at typically masculine things and no one ever told even I think Fiona what is in the sugar bowl and she just says some secrets are too terrible to know and I'm so confused at I mean this is like something to say for like people who try to starve themselves for saying that that's what diet culture is about but like Bill is kind of a chunky man he's not bad looking and there's no shame in him being chunky I just want to make that clear but he's like how are you so chunky on gum like what gum are you doing is sugar really that bad for you like what is happening Happening. They were doing, he was going to make a cod and gum casserole, which oh, sounds, oh, I would never want fishy gum. I can't. But Sunny comes and fix it with a cod and potato chowder. And she's just like gnawing the potatoes, which is a bit gross. Uh, you know, not necessary. Your potatoes are kind of like semi pre-chewed. Ugh. And I remember too, I don't remember if I didn't trust Fiona in the books, but I definitely didn't trust her in the series. There's just something about her that it's like, feels like she's always going to be for the bad guy. And then the twist that comes is wild. But they learn that the sugar bowl is out at the sea, obviously. And that Ike made Amazol aquatics. But Ike and Gregor had a terrible falling out. And then the building was burned down and Gregor was killed. And now they think that the Sugar Bowl is under and whistle at aquatics under in their grotto. And they've got to all try to like get the Sugar Bowl and make it to the last safe place by Thursday. Sunny, meanwhile, is deboning fish with her teeth. Uh, doesn't sound safe for a baby, but all right, we're, you know, we're already here. And so they basically have this like family dinner and they, and then there's like another contrasting family dinner with Olaf, which is like a family dinner of sociopaths, which was much like the dinners that I experienced when I was younger. And it's kind of interesting to see of like these families that have like different shapes, right? How like a family is not one size fits all. And I think therein lies like a an interesting question in our society. Like, is there a right way to raise children or do you just raise them, right? And it's just hard. I mean, I kind of technically do believe there is a right way to raise children and we are sometimes getting further and further from it. But then Olaf orders Hook to go eat in the brig with the rats because he's not family, which is like terrible. And Carmelita calls him a cake sniffer and they all sing that he's not family, which is so heartbreaking once you know the plot twist because Hookman deserves a family and has been missing his family. Ugh, it's so mean. Count Olaf gets really, really mean in this one. Then we learn about the Medusa Milicia, which is this rare mushroom in the grotto 
but a single spore has such grim power that you may die in an hour. So the mission feels doomed. The grotto is isolated so that the mushroom can't spread. But then Count Love Ship is this like dark thing with a giant eye. And I mean, it is like scary. I don't like on, and I wonder if that is how it is on the submarine. I doubt it. But it's like, it's like a question mark on the, on the sonar thing of like what the thing is. Like it can't identify it. And like, maybe that's something, but I don't know. It just like... To me, didn't vibe, but <laughs> Cardalita's like, I don't have to be quiet when Count Olaf is yelling at her. She's like, I don't have to be quiet. I'm too adorable. And Olaf is like, looks fade. It's just like wild. I think he gets like kind of mad that now that he has to have a family and he is like kind of sociopathic. Like I think he like his life now too, in his pursuit of the Baudelaire's and the money that he thinks is going to make him happy. He's really quite miserable. He doesn't like Esme. He doesn't like Carmelita. He does not want this family life. And then Count Olaf realizes that it's a Withersham ship and that he owes him 50 bucks. So he goes on, her, on their ship and they and he has their ship and boards it, which is, oh, it's not good. And Esme has this like Ursula octopus outfit. It's also not good, um, but it's, it's fitting. Um, and Count Olaf is basically breaking their sub and he's like, is fine with torturing them and is planning, you know, to just kill them himself because apparently can't trust anybody else to do it. And Esme wants that sugar bowl and will pry it from anything. Then Count Olaf like finds the girl captain and caught all of them. And then it, Fiona realizes that the hook man is her brother and that he did not die. And he lost his hand in the fire and the hook man tries to like kind of lie about how his life is better and he's like oh you know I have a family too mine's better they do everything I tell them to do even though that's like not true you know and Fiona and the Baudelaire's like kind of thrown into the brig and they are making the Baudelaire's go deep dive into the grotto and get the sugar bowl so they have to come back if they don't come back they'll die because there's not enough air in the suit so already a lot of pressure and honestly, this is like, this show was honestly the most perfect footage for a reel ever. I would have loved to be on this show. I think it's shot in Toronto though, so I wasn't really, I'm not a local hire in Toronto, but hey, if anybody wants to be my best friend in Toronto, I'll give you, I'll trade my LA address for your Toronto address. We could make a buddy thing, hit me up. But anyway, Count Olaf is like looking for stowaways and Fiona is sending a telegram. The mission is compromised and neat that she needs help. And the Baudelaire's don't want to leave Fiona behind, but she's kind of like in the situation of like, does she pick her brother, which she has to because it's family, right? Like they wouldn't leave each other, the Baudelaire's. But they see that the sugar bowl was in the grotto, but there were footprints there and Quigley got it. Those who hesitate are lost, but they basically went there for no reason. And now the mushroom spores are coming. And unfortunately, Sunny gets a mushroom on her helmet. This like riveted me in a book I didn't know like literature was so I couldn't put it down like it was so good I didn't understand that literature could be so stimulating this was like one of my first books that it was like wow like it, I was gripped I was so worried about Sunny and it just like because it breaks her heart because it's this cute baby and it's just like she's just like starting to cough and I'm also wondering if the mushroom is why Poe coughs like if he had exposure for it and then he's like always had this cough because of that mushroom so now Sunny has less than an hour to live and she's going to die and there's so much anxiety because things were already bad Phil is excited to go to the ship to work for Count Olaf because Phil is just you know making the best of everything and Count Olaf has all of the like orphans rowing and oaring the submarine boat uh which is terrible it's child labor this man is clearly a monster 
And Carmelita is all mad because she thinks that Count Olaf likes the Baudelaire's more than her, which I think is unfortunately true. And they throw the orphans into the brig and they see Sunny coughing and they don't even care. And it's, it's awful. But they try to stay determined. They're like, we've broken out of prison before and the hook man is here to torture. They're all freaking out because Sunny is sick and they're and suffering, like literally dying. And they are like, take off the helmet so that she can breathe better but if she takes off the helmet then everything will be infected but they try to plead with the hookman because they're like she's our sister right and the hookman now has a sister oh it's and it's so sad it is honestly like really it's a doozy this one and they're kind of mad at the hookman because they don't know if they trust him also poor hookman has to remember all these like right left right lefts to get around in the submarine i don't know if i could do it um shout out to anybody who's navigated a sub but yeah they're pissed at the hookman because he's like, Count Olaf does terrible things and the hookman helps him and he still makes the hookman's life miserable, which doesn't really make any sense. And, but Count Olaf has this like moment with him is that, and then we kind of see why he was helping the hookman because Count Olaf goes, I don't know how I would do this without you. He's still not family to Count Olaf, but there is like a, a tenderness there that I think the hookman wanted that he probably didn't get from their own father because he seems so strict. I still am very upset about the Snow Scouts children rowing that like for so long. This is sad. And then Esme is like throwing in that she's like too young to be Carmelita's real mother, which is not true, but it's very funny. It definitely feels like something Esme would say. So they find that there's like a sea monster. So they're trying to abandon the ship. And meanwhile, the Baudelaire's are searching for a cure and they realize that it's horseradish. So that's why there was like a horseradish lane. Like everything is so interconnected. It's so wonderfully beautiful. And poor Sunny, who's dying, you see in the fridge that she had made Violet a birthday cake. And Violet had forgotten her own birthday, but Sunny did it. And it's just, oh, the heart-wrenchingness of this. Uh, and Violet's performance here from the actress is so good. She plays a fantastic sister. She is an amazing sister. She, like, understands what it is. But then... They realize that Sunny is like substitute and they realize, oh, wasabi is a substitute for horseradish, which I didn't know. Fun fact. And then they start to realize, too, that the sugar bowl immunizes you against this Medusa Micillion because that's like, I think, like one of the most evil things that they've invented or created or got involved with. So Sunny kind of saves herself. And there's so many siblings that they believe to be dead that weren't. Like, they believed Lemony to be dead. They believed, like, a lot of Snickets are died. And basically the sister, you know, chooses to, like, stay with the brother, even with evil people. And, like, told all the info to count all off about the sugar bowl and everything. But she still feels betrayed because... The Hookman, you know, she was his only family. And she starts to believe that there isn't any wrong side, which I thought was a very interesting thing in the book. I never liked her choice, right? But I thought that it was a thing of like, there's so much evil on both ends when you really think about it. And like, even like what the Baudelaire's had to do to survive, they've had to do some evil things. I think to be human is to do things that are considered evil, but what makes you abusive is the way that you treat others, I think. You know, one side puts it out, one side starts it, because the hookman has kind of, you know, gotten into her mind, and this is kind of what he said as well. The fungus got out to destroy everyone when it was originally made to try to stop enemies. And the hookman is like, when the sea was burning, that was like the worst day of my life. What choice did I have but to join 
Count Olaf because he's trying to kind of get his sister to understand why he has made this choice. And he's just that he just doesn't believe that there's any wrong sides because he's just seen so many messed up things and he's traumatized, which I think a lot of traumatized people respond. That's why like you'll have a traumatized Christian go atheist because it's like the apathy is part of the depression process unfortunately his sister believes that fiona believes that he did terrible things for noble reasons which i don't really know if he truly did i think he i think he has i think he has in in some aspects because he's kind of like the hook man is a man we think that he's part of count olaf's troop but really he's not playing for either side and then we learn that he lost his hands because he got kicked down on a fire and then like one of the stair things or like the things from the roof fell down and the hook man is a kind of noble man because he does like let them he does help them out on several occasions. I don't know. I really like the Hookman story and, and I feel like I finally appreciated it in the series rather than the book. I didn't really understand it in the book. I knew that he was his brother and I had forgotten when I rewatched, like I had forgotten that detail. It's one of those ones that it's like, it comes in at the end and there's so much else happening that you forget about it. So I was like surprised by it again. But the Hookman's loyalty to Count Olaf is because Count Olaf took him in when no one would help him. And that Fiona only knows the bad aspects because the good side is played with fire too. I kind of wonder if he, I've always wondered if the Hookman is gay and in love with Olaf. Yeah, there's some wonderful evil laughing in here. And for a second too, up until the very end, you always think that the the Hookman is going to, he's going to go join the Baudelaire's. Like you think he's going to come to the good side, but Count Olaf at the end doesn't ditch him. And he's like, oh, because who would do the cooking, right? It's not for a good reason, but it's like, it's still his loyalty and like, you can kind of see like him and Olaf are actually good friends in a weird way. Like Count Olaf is still a like, jerk most of the time, but I don't know if the Hookman has ever had friends, right? Like have the Baudelaire has ever had friends. So Carmelina finds the orphans trying to sneak away and get out. And Fiona takes the hook side because it's her brother and she can't betray him, which is understandable it's not great right and it's a hard thing to be like would you fuck over your family even if you thought they really deserved it you know they're putting thumbtacks into a cradle for sunny which is awful i also forgot to mention in the beginning that the man with a beard and no hair and the woman with the hair and no beard ended up prepaying for counter love submarine i don't think this is in the book but they made that esme was the captain which is rough and also i understand why fiona is like frustrated and ends up siding with her brother at the end because her dad like left her to go s save a distress signal from a manatee which was probably another volunteer in a disguise i'm assuming and i understand that she's probably like angry she probably is like she's been justice thrown to the world as the Baudelaire's have in a way she probably wasn't ready to be the captain of a ship wasn't ready to like not have her dad but he's not there and then she finds her brother and it's just like the relief to like not have that pressure on the shoulders all the time the fact that like Violet has to carry that pressure of like being this girl and and having all of the like you have to do this and you have to do it better like when you do a man's job it has to be like as good as a man's and it's and it's harder because you don't have the the expertise sometimes like it's a it's a strong pull for people to do it it's really like it's really a challenging thing to fill a man's shoes when you're a woman in our society's eyes and it shouldn't be you know but it but there's a history there and so there's like this feminist thing of her trying to be this captain and when she's like tired because really she's still a girl you know She's not that much older than Violet. I also think it's so weird that one, that the submarine is mechanized and there's like a medieval ore thing happening. 
who knows what is science and Carmelita has been bugging Counteloff with all of these ridiculous requests and he is getting fed up with it. And like Hookie, the Hookman, had helped the Baudelaire's escape from the Carmelita and that helped Violet lead the Snow Scouts to revolt. And in the books, the Snow Scouts' fate is ambiguous. Like it doesn't really tell us what happens, but which hopefully they survive. That's a lot of kids to die at sea. Oh, can you think about dead child bodies in the water? Oh, that's sad. Anyway, and it's hard because like Fiona was she had helped the Baudelaire's research the antidote to Sunny. She was in on that, too. But the bond that Olaf has with Hookie because they were bonding that both of them never really impressed their parents. But it is hard because the that bond that they've established in there, like the Hookman was just about to go. And it's like the abuser suckers him in one time. Like the Hookman is in an abusive relationship with Count Olaf, even friend wise. And and like that's how it can be. Like you can have abusive friends, too. It's wild. But like into a relationship where he would let go of his sister submarine because Count Olaf submarine has Fiona submarine in its grips and his submarine is called the Carmelita of course also by the way uh, just so you know the narcissist in the making but the Baudelaire's seal up the fungus with a plate with gum and they put it in the diving helmet and they give it as a present to Fiona because she loves mushrooms and and obviously the Baudelaire's have good reason not to trust Hookman he's put them in a lot of situations, he was going to throw Sonny off. But Fernand has told that story about animals, the narcotics, and how they've been making weapons. And there is a point in that no organization does completely good or evil things. And that Count Olaf is his good friend. But Count Olaf had heard the conversation between them and he feels betrayed by Ferdinand and almost kills him literally like that's how abusive it is like you could almost die in those relationships even with friends right you're killed more by the people you know than strangers how sad is that but Fiona saves the hook man that's like why she had to betray him because Count Olaf was going to kill him because she gives Count Olaf the helmet with fungus but she ends up giving the Baudelaire's at least one chance to escape so she's not all bad it's just putting a rock in the hard place right could you let your brother die even if he was a fuck up i don't think you could right i really don't think you could yeah it's oh it's so tough it's so tough it's so so tough oh my goodness he literally calls counteloff literally calls fiona triangle eyes which is so mean because she's got like glasses and it's just oh gotta put everybody down hook man and triangle eyes so mean but since she has given him the mushroom he doesn't want to waste it because it's so valuable and he's very excited to poison. But oh, what a hard thing, right? You have to put your siblings first. That's like, I feel like what it means to be family, you know? It's so rough, low when they make bad choices. Oh, it's so rough. That what choice do I have haunts me. It's just like so hard to speak on because it's like I I have so many feelings about this that are so hard to unpack. And I don't think, I don't know if they'll ever be easy to unpack, you know? But it's crazy too because Violet didn't trust her in the beginning. And it's like Violet had that hunch, that like woman's intuition that she was kind of right to not do it. But I understand too because it's like Fiona's brother is the only family that she has. And she... She does let them escape. She just can't abandon her brother. And Count Olaf thinks that the Baudelaire is going to lose everything. Wait and see. And in a way, he's not too far off. But Fiona and Klaus also do share a kiss. He doesn't believe that she is a wicked person. I still ship him and Isabella, but I know it's hard because I also ship Quigley and Violet. So I'm getting a little dicey there. So they gave the last safe place where the VFD is gathering. And that's what Fiona does. And 
Olaf is fine and Hookman is his favorite again because uh, Vienna fucks up with the Baudelaire's. Carmelina's gown is fantastic. The sugar bowl falls out of the sky at one point, which is really funny to laugh about. And the Quigley has the sugar bowl in a burned down lighthouse and he gives it to crows. And the Baudelaire's end up landing at the Brimy Beach where they began. Oh, where it all began, which I loved. That was like my favorite thing. And of course, Mr. Poe finds them. And Kit Snicket is there. She's been working for Poe. Uh, taking part of Jacqueline because I think Jacqueline didn't make it but she gave her 10 days notice and she doesn't work for Mr. Poe and Kit is like I'll drive you to the hotel she's taking over Jack Snicket's taxi driver job and Poe wants to like take them to police because they're murderers and he wants to get everything like sorted sorted out bureaucracy wise um, which I think was the casting because I haven't I guess if it was a bureaucracy it was like a Trump bureaucrat wild and which was a take you know it was a take that's that is politics. Our politics can get wild like that, but I don't know. I, I like a stuffier bureaucrat for this because there are so many already wild characters in this uh, that you need. I feel like that, like, <laughs> but they choose Kid over Poe, which I think is smart of them. Mr. Poe has disappointed them far too much. So Mr. Poe is like shocked that they would go off on their own, but they've literally been on their own for like several books and Mr. Poe hasn't even caught up with them or found where they were. He's a bit late. So then they learn that there is one and good and one evil concierge and they should try to learn who it is between Thursday because there's a pair of twins in the VFD, of course, and both of them took different sides on the schism. So that makes everything confusing, but also so fun. What a fun idea. And there's Ernest and Dewey, I think. Dewey is good. Ernest is bad. And Dewey is... Kit's partner. Olaf then says another abuser thing that I want to break down where he goes, I prefer little girls to be quiet so I don't get tired of their annoying voice, which is so such an abuser thing to say, right? Keeping the woman silent. What a what a tool. Anyway, Kit broke in like nine safety laws, but I love her. Uh, she's the actress. Allison Williams does a really good job. Schmidt. Schmidt from New Girl also plays Frank and Ernest, which is great casting for him. I love Schmidt's career. I remember him from Ugly Betty. Like, oh, I can't wait. Turn to my YouTube for me to talk about more about his stuff. Uh, I have like Promising Young Woman already up there now. But Frank is friendly and maybe, oh, they're triplets because it's Frank, Ernest, and Dewey. I th but anyway, Frank is friendly and Ernest is evil. And you don't want the wrong brother to find out what you're up to, right? So another possible task for these poor children who are traumatized. Kid is amused with Vi Violet and Klaus because Violet's mother tied up her hair. Their father pushed up glasses. Because it seems like, I don't think we have a set of twins in the VFD. It's always triplets been so far. Pairs of three. How interesting. But the baby is hers and Dewey's. And Olaf is also in love with her. Also, this book has one of my favorite quotes where it's like, I never want to be apart from you again, except at the restroom or at work or when we are in a movie, the other one doesn't really want to see. I love that so much. I feel like that is love. I honestly do. It's healthy. It's got like love with boundaries. And Lemony himself is heading to the hotel so i guess he was there at the same time as the baudelaire's which is insane close to the trail i always wonder how far behind lemony is from the baudelaire's and the hotel that they are staying at is huge carmelita's parents wouldn't pay the ransom for carmelita huge yikes huge yikes uh so mean 
the hotel is organized like a library, of course, because libraries are very important in these series because that is where you would often go to read this book if you were a kid. So the Baudelaire orphans split up so they can be at three places at once. Violet goes up to the roof to see cowboy superhero pirate Carmelita Spatz. Esme kind of likes that she's a tomboy. Or, like, the concept of a tomboy, which is what Carlita is doing, even though I don't think Carmelita is a true tomboy. And since maybe she is, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like a Carmelita spats, unfortunately. Sorry. But the tomboy is such an interesting thing because it's, like, insulting that her entrants don't meet expectations. Like, you automatically have to gender jobs, which is weird, right? It's just weird that we've began to gender anything at all that we just put gender in so many places gender doesn't even need to be on the roof is the vice principal of prepford and he is a number one fan of esme uh because she reminds him of himself glamorous and important violet does this australian accent to disguise who she is which is very funny i always like because instant hotel me and my boyfriend do a whole bit about that all the time because that show really stuck with us so Esme and them are on the roof because they're watching the sky because they're bird watching because they know that the sugar bowl is coming via a crow Esme has a harpoon gun and they're getting carmelita ice cream you know I remember the good old days of being kids with harpoon guns and ice cream. And Esme is saying that there's going to be a secret ingredient in the hors d'oeuvres. And I'm frightened that it's going to be the mushroom, which it probably will be. Then Babs is there on Klaus's side. And she's, you know, a little jumpy because the last person she trusted stole from her. And she's going to a sauna because she is with Jeremy Squalor, which honestly, I ship it. I think they're good for each other. They were in a terrorized by Esme support group. It helps when you're terrorized by the same one. That's why it's like you need to band together, but it's so hard to be friends with the abusers things because they all fall off at different times. And it's like, oh, so tough. You must want abuse the people to be famous so you can find the people that they hurt so you can have some understanding because there's no one really to talk about it because usually in order to get away from an abuser, no one in your life can really know him. Yeah, it's tough. People who escaped terrible lovers. That's a group I need to join for sure. So... Lemony was thought dead by everybody, but him and Kit are reunited. Also, when they were on the roof with Violet, I got ahead of myself a little bit too much, sorry. But the beach ball that Carmelita throws is heavy, and that's important because it's probably the mushrooms. Violet also accidentally messes up and calls Carmelita by her name, but thankfully it's on the boat that's in the pool. And she kind of goes to either Franker or Sir Dewey and is like, so they want me to give... Carmelita spats a harpoon gun and the guy says that not giving a harpoon gun would be suspicious and it's part of a larger plan already looked after and he gives her the harpoon gun to give to Carmelita which oh I wish she didn't take it so then you think that obviously with Klaus that Jerome and Babs are together but they're really just faking to be together for the children because I guess it's not okay to be gay on Netflix yet because Jerome kind of implies that he's, he's gay for Charles, while Babs implies that she's lesbian for Mrs. Bass, the bank robber, who was in the circus one at that time. But there's a bunch of people, they're stressing over the initials of JS because Jerome thinks JS is a woman, Jacqueline's ticket. Babs thinks JS is a sea captain. But then Olaf comes in and he's got blood all over his suit. And it is scary, honestly. 
And one of the brothers is asking Klaus to hang flying paper outside of the window, which that image has stuck with me so much. And I kind of like hate, like, so then the birds are going to get stuck to the paper. What does that mean? Like, is that good? I always thought that Violet was talking to Frank and Klaus Ernest, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. What do you guys think? Comment it below or reach out to me and talk about it. Because I... To this day, cannot figure out who was who. They always remind me too, I don't know if you've done it in acting classes where you have these like conversations of, it's like A and B conversations and they're not really about anything, but they're kind of like vague, but you can like add a bunch of emotions to them. Uh, I love that. It's one of my favorite exercises. Then we go with Sunny and she sees Mr. Poe, who is being a racist because he's afraid of foreigners and he doesn't want Indian food. Oh my goodness, Mr. Poe. You gotta get it together, man. Bureaucrats, though. Of course, Count Olaf is pretending to be Jack Snicket because Count Olaf is dead in this world, really. Poe has a collection of evidence regarding the Butler case, which would incriminate Olaf. And as Count Olaf is pretending to be Jack Snicket, He's talking about how he, uh, it's disturbing his love for children and like honestly it truly is and how he wouldn't let the Baudelaire's out of his sight, right? Wouldn't treat him like Count Olaf. So Sonny then is called by a brother and is putting a lock on the laundry door because the whole thing is that the sugar bowl is supposed to fall in and land in the laundry room unless it is intercepted. And Count Olaf then knows that Sunny is around because he recognizes her because obviously it is a kid in a hotel uniform, you know, like a little toddler. There's not much you can do to disguise Sunny. And it is insane that in this case of Count Olaf, people, authority figures helped intentionally and unintentionally on the way. And it's like, it is, that is like how it is with abusive people. It's like, People will help the abuser to put you down and people will just accidentally help it because they're just trying to be a good person and they don't understand because they haven't taken the time to really like get to know anybody and they're kind of in their own world. Then we lose the fantastic waiter Larry because he's trying to defend the curry or that some think is too spicy and he thinks that they lack the morals to like food and he goes against and squares up against Count Olaf and says that he'll never be half the man that Jack Snicket was that he was pretending to be and Count Olaf is like uh-huh where are your associates I killed them all and then Ernest ties up Larry who was like this is no way to treat a waiter and they put him in the curry and expect him to boil and it's messed up because like are people gonna eat that curry with human flesh also they killed him also there's so much Ugh, and like in the school when he was like stuck in a freezer, it was really sad. Poor Larry, he's just never had good luck. But but really we all find out that JS is Justice Strauss. Quigley was on the bus next to her and they're gathering everyone in the high court to hear the whole story because they're doing a trial. Jacqueline is currently note-taking and globetrotting. Uh, I guessing they couldn't get that actress back and Jack Snicket research will live on. And Justice Strauss is really trying to make it right with the Baudelaire's and she's like, if you can forgive me, I would love for you to live with me and we could be a family soon. You could come to my home, which is like so nice. But I also feel like the Baudelaire's are like, I don't even know if they could trust that again. I feel like they feel like they can't. Now with the secret organization and everything they know, I don't know if they think that life of normalness is possible for them. So basically the Baudelaire's then get onto trial after determining that there is a third brother who manages a sub-sub library under the hotel filled with VFD information. And then when they are back from their task, they're confronted by Count Olaf with the harpoon gun, but which that, that probably means that Violet was with Ernest. I think I was just so 
shook at how terrible flying paper seems to me. Like, I can't believe it's a device that was made. But I guess it's, like, not too hard. You could always get the glue off. It probably is, like, designed for carrier pigeons or something, but I... Oh, I didn't like it. But the Baudelaire's protect Dewey, and they trick Olaf into trying to break up with Esme. And Olaf then just kind of surrenders the gun to the Baudelaire's, but they drop it when they see Mr. Poe, because it scares them, and when it goes off and impales Dewey. And then Lemony Snicket and the Baudelaire's meet, which is terrible timing. And Lemony wants them to just run away from this trial, essentially. Just, like, get up and go. It's better if they just think... You know, it's it's all of the enemy's fault. Like, you can't believe everything they read in the Daily Pontillo. But the, the Baudelaire is like, you know, Lemony's arriving in the middle of their story already. And that's not going to convince them. They can't trust. Like, they don't know who to trust. Their trust has been so damaged. But it's hard because Kit was leaving to go raise Dewey's child and they like feel something to Kit, but they're they're scared and they want to believe in the system, right? They want the system to work because the system could have helped them so many times. And oh, it kills me that Kit has to raise her child alone or so we think. But anyway, the way that Count Olaf tries to break out with Esme because she likes being fashionably late because it's in because being early is out clearly for people. I love being early, honestly. And they make that Count Olaf think that Esme is second fiddle, but honestly, Esme is not second fiddle. She's second to nobody. She's like, she is an evil girl. And then they like, Carmelita is wanting to learn how to like hit things with the harpoon gun and spit and Count Olaf like doesn't want to do it, right? This is like when they're breaking up with Esme. And then he just like spits out about Carmelita because he doesn't like children because he's an abusive person. He's like, Carmelita is not a darling girl. She's a spoiled bat. And... The Baudelaire's essentially just put a schism between them. Uh, and it's kind of insane that, like, Count Olaf loses these three children and they somehow sort of beat him every time. Or at least evade him, which is, I guess, beating the abuser, right? You just have, can't have those people in your life because they will try to kill you. So Count Olaf fires Esme and breaks up with her. And Esme has never been broken up with. And Count Olaf is like, yeah, that's what makes that so satisfying. It's like a dark breakout. And he wants Esme out of his life totally which is oof it's dang it's rough it's hard hitting and then Carmelita swears off Olaf being her daddy anymore Count Olaf is like I never needed associates because it's like he's needed the Baudelaire's he wanted the fortune I guess he feels entitled to it since Beatrice kind of killed his dad Ugh, and it's just so sad when Dewey is dead and they like mirror it with Count Olaf's death that when Dewey dies it's so hard because he says his last words are Kit and it's so romantic and it's so rough and he shot literally right through the chest and it's just it's rough but anyway then we go back into the past with this parallel of another death that like caused all of this hatred why Olaf was after the Baudelaire fortune in particular why he was so driven by this and we see her mother at the opera. Also, just to add one more thing about Kit Snicket, since we were on the Dewey thing. Um, in the book, Kit is very distraught, and this Kit is really confident. She's kind of like a saddie, and the other one a little bit like Lemony. But I like that kind of Jack Snicket and Kit Snicket are confident, and Lemony is the sad one, the deviation one. Because he seems like he's a weird brother. I mean, he's like literally falling around children. Of a girl that turned him down, that it's just weird. Count Olaf not needing associates is not really said here but it is said in the book that Ferdinand and Fiona they double cross Olaf and they end up saving Phil and the Snow Scouts so just in case you're worried about them you might also be wondering why they didn't recognize the orphans earlier but it is kind of that thing of like they treat the like hotel staff and any sort of wait staff right he like kills Larry 
It's that abusive thing of like treating the service job people lower than you because that's whatever you think, which is terrible. Also a difference from the book that I just remembered now is that it's not Jerome and Babs in the sonnet. It's Charles and Sir. Like Charles never leaves Sir in the books. And I... It just took me a minute to realize that because I was like, why did that scene feel weird to me? Babs is supposed to, I think, die in the hospital as well. There's also this Geraldine character we never get in the show, but there's already so many characters. It's also hinted at, I feel like I made a mistake. I'm just kind of remembering all the stuff. Obviously, this is like really jump-packed books and there's so many details to get in, which is makes it a great story. So the troop, the freaks that they picked up from Madame Lulu's, I had to call them freaks, but the circus performance they picked up from Madame Lulu's, they may have died. We thought that they were running away, but they may have died because the man with no hair but a beard and the woman with no beard but hair killed them, possibly. It's never really, there's so many stories that go like nowhere that you don't really get to know at the book, you're kind of left to wonder at. Okay, now we'll get to the origins of the VFD schism. Just so you know, before we get into that, the Baudelaire is essentially, Lemony Snicket obviously you know is like, please come with me, you can run away from all this, and they decide not to, they want to see the system, you know, the system put Countaloff behind bars, but little do they realize how corrupt the system is. So anyway, now we see why it became corrupt. During the theft of Esme's sugar bowl, which was stolen by their mother, Beatrice, she accidentally killed Countaloff's father, and Countaloff's dad was a fire chief. Lemony, because of his love for her, took the blame for both of the crimes for stealing the sugar bowl and killing Countaloff's father and has fled. Countaloff's mother had also died in a fire. So he, you know, while losing his father, he was at a pretty emotional place and he was dating Kit Snicket. He was engaged to her. Poor Kit Snicket has had really bad luck with men. Also, Beatrice, she didn't mean to kill Olaf's father. She meant to kill Esme, which I'm not quite sure why she wanted to. I guess because maybe Esme was going to take the sugar bowl just for herself with all, instead of like helping it. So none of these people got sick from the Medusa mushroom because if you... Once you have the sugar, you have like an immunity forever. So the dart was intended for Esme Squalor, but it ended up hitting Olaf's father. Kit is the one who gave the poison darts to Beatrice. So she's partly responsible. And in the book, I thought it was both the parents, but in the Netflix thing, it seems to only be the mom. And as for Count Olaf's mom, it's kind of unclear of like what, if the fire had anything to do with VFD or if it was about like, if Count Olaf's father joined the fire department as the fire chief to prevent fires, or if it was like because there was some arson against him, it's it's very there's a lot of no answers at this point. And yeah, it seems that Beatrice just killed Esme for the cure because she was raising, you know, she was going to have children one day. She was dating Lemony at the time, but obviously. Him going on the lamb kind of ruined their relationship. And then she fell in love with Bernard, who ironically was also trained by, had the same like mentor that Lemony did. And yeah, it's really sad because Lemony is like, let's go on the run with the Baudelaire's. And they're like, listen, we can't live on a run forever. We don't want to fake our death and hide. You know, I, we don't want this lonely life. Even if we're going to be safe, we want the truth. So they catch Olaf about to change his address to prison. So everyone thinks. And... Lemony was the last chance to like maybe really know the organization, every detail, really get it right, understand everything. But the Baudelaire's don't take.
take it because they want the justice. That's how it goes with abusers sometimes. Sometimes you're like, it's more important to heal this because I know how damaging it was. So they have this blind case because justice is blind, literally, I guess. Esme is going to make them eat crow because she shot a bunch. And that injustice is in. That's why it says in. Evidence needs to be seen to be believed, but as they are all blind by their blindfolds, this is going to be a very hard high court case. So the high court is literally very high up in the hotel and in Olaf and Esme's after party battle, they like clap at the testimony, the crowd of people listening, which is an insane thing to think like it's a show, uh, which is very funny. I haven't ever really been in a court case theater show where applause would happen. So that would be a very interesting sensation. Especially if after it's like in a dramatic scene. And Justice Strauss is so distraught and she's like, if only you Baudelaire's had told me what I what you were going through and I like wanted to cry so that this Justice Strauss is so good. But unfortunately, the system is corrupt. If you're living in America, you feel that right now. The high court is the man and women with beards and hair. And it just sucks. It sucks that these wonderful children who were a researcher, an inventor, a chef, can just have this life stolen from them for no reason. I don't know if Kalanoloff was right to extract vengeance on Beatrice. While I understand it, I don't think Beatrice should have ever thrown a poison dart either. I think that was on it. It was like, I think I'm kind of with Hookman on this is that neither side was good. Count Olaf then is called to a stand and he smiles so creepy when he is at the stand and people like applaud, but it's very scary. But like he calls out that Poe cares more about promotions than orphans, which is very true. And he's like literally going to protect paperwork over other people's lives. Also very true true the villagers made the child do their chores and the children also held esme hostage they burned down a carnival they caused accidents they broke into places they would bust out of jail they shot dewey they didn't do everything right like their mother and it's hard because it's like well count Olaf is right he's also manipulating the facts he's not seeing that they did that in a response to him so how is that fair if they were trying to fight for their survival in a corrupt system, it's kind of like, in a way, I feel like it is the equivalent to when a black person harps the police because the police person attacked them unprovoked. And Kalanoff is just basically like, the orphans aren't innocent. They've lied, they've stole, they've abandoned, they've set fire, they've relied on treachery for survival. Um, but who was their teacher? But Kalanoff is my argument, but... It is hard. And it's this like weird thing of like, there are no noble people in the world. Maybe one cannot be good. And it's still, it's so hard. Also, Esme is still legally married to Jerome. Talk about that. Talk about like freaking husbands and wives that leave before they do the divorce seatings. Like grow up. Obviously, I'm a very personal thing. But the spy glasses cause fire. That's still not in the book. It's actually like Esme isn't even looking at the beginning of this hotel thing through a spy glass. She's looking through a, a vicariously fixed device or something. And yeah, the spy Spyglasses, like it's all it's all something from the movie but i love it and all of this all of this led to something because esme wanted to be shallow because that's her like demon because she didn't want to give up the sugar bowl because it completed her tea set even though she could have like gotten another sugar bowl and let the one that saved lives to her mother but there's another unmotivated musical number but you know that's my kind of entertainment so it is what it is yeah i don't know if beatrice ever asked esme for her sugar bowl i don't know i don't know i think too in the book the the hotel is on fire because count Olaf wants to release the mushroom but then Emily or Esme like poisons the sausage. They ate like they ate peppered crow because she literally told them to eat crow because it's like a law thing. It's kind of funny. And 
Count Olaf, despite all of this, despite knowing his thing for vengeance, still plays innocent enough. The Baudelaire's also plead innocent, but the trial finds out that they are guilty because, of course, the judges are working with Count Olaf, but they've taken a vow of silence, so they won't talk anymore. Count Olaf kidnaps Justice Strauss, and the Baudelaire's are just like... So upset because at this point, every noble person has failed them. They don't even know why they should protect the sugar bowl, even though Alof does because he knows that it is the cure for the mushrooms and he wants to let it down. But then he realizes he can't get in the laundry room with the sugar bowl because the key died with Dewey. So so he doesn't know what to do. And then Sunny is the one, little baby Sunny, I guess because she's so traumatized with her experience of the mushroom says to burn down the hotel and they try to tell everybody to evacuate the fire but nobody listens to them and more books are burned and I hate it and Justice Strauss doesn't understand that the law could be corrupt so they let her go and Count Olaf feels like he won and all of this is like kind of intercutting with the b-plot of the past you kind of have like this cool thing but I love the like lemony sticker quote of like I will love you if this and I will love you if this that whole long paragraph oh it's some of the best writing ever oh it's so good so so good and it's pretty much not how the story goes and it's these pictures they have like kind of a, a look back of all the places that they've been yeah I want to know so much more than I probably will ever know about the series but at some point you have to keep it put it down like it inspired me so much in my writing of poetry and stuff. Like Lemony Snicket was a huge influence on me as a writer. So I'm just so grateful to have read these books. We're not even done yet, but I just want to take a moment to say it while I'm thinking about it. I also love this other Beatrix trope where it was like, I cherished, you perished, the world's been nightmarish, which I, oh, I love it so good. So the hotel is burned down. Lemony can't find them again. Count Olaf is excited to have the Baudelaire's fortune where orphans are rowing and they're tired and Count Olaf obviously hasn't done anything. Count Olaf keeps threatening that he's going to release the mushroom, but he, they're like, do it, then we'd all be poisoned. They are like debating if they should push him off of the boat. I honestly think they should, but they're like, they don't, but then they end up being washed over in a storm and they end up being castaways, but they can live on this great island started by Ishmael who started the group in the Netflix lore because he wanted to make the world safer the world good and quiet kind of like an organized religion uh, Olaf tries to Christopher Columbus the place and name it Olaf land even though people were already living here just because he is the worst so a bunch of the island people every time there's a storm they go and they kind of see like oh what should we keep what should we throw away throw away the, the bird cage and they say it's useless, thank God, because that was probably very traumatizing for Sunny. Sunny even uses the birdcage to trip Olaf, which is karma. And they only have one time a year that they can sail through. And it happens to be tomorrow if they want to go back. And there's a large canoe, but there's sharp rocks. So they have to be careful because that's a hard one. So they have sheep on the island and the sheep live on the shrimp and everybody eats raw marinated seafood But because they, they don't want to use the fire to cook because this guy's done with fires. And you don't want to eat sheep because, you know, they're just your friends, I guess. Um, Ishmael and all the other people on the island, well, Ishmael remembers his old life, but all the other people on the island barely remember their old life. They don't have fresh water, which I don't understand how they don't die of dehydration, but they drink this like coconut cordial, essentially. And Ishmael decides that when it's flooding, he's going to drug Count Olaf who is now caged. So Violet and Klaus because they're great children and even Sunny they're all being like oh here's ways that we could get we could get like you know we could filtrate the water we could season the food because it's literally like seafood just fresh from the water no seasoning or anything they don't realize that they start to realize that the coconut cordial is drugged opium which holy crap this is a children's thing and there's opium in it oh my goodness i mean we learned about opium rather young anyway because of but i feel like very poorly yeah i don't know how 
people did it without water all this time. I guess you get used to it. I feel very lucky for having water to be a drink and that I usually don't always get anyway. Ishmael is very big about the Baudelaire's not rocking the boat because ideas lead to more ideas, which lead to arguments, which lead to schisms, which is he's trying to avoid. There's nothing to read on this place, so it's not paradise for the Baudelaire's. Nothing to read, cook, or event. And then they end up finding that Ishmael himself is a fraud because they follow his footprints and they find all of the stuff that he's kept that he's telling the others to throw away and that he's got this whole tree house with water filtration books and that he's also got the VFD tattoo. Then in doing some digging, they realized that their parents lived on the island and Ishmael used to be the principal of the academy. He would recruit people when they had a gleam in their eye and he wanted to fight mostly figurative fires, but I guess ended up fighting real ones too. And then Kit Snicket washes up to shore on a huge pile of books and the imagery is insane. And then Count Olaf pretends to be Kit with the mushrooms under his shirt as like a pregnancy thing it's pretty terrible because kid is like all in this like white virginal gown pregnant and dead tired and count Olaf is pretending to do that with the helmet the diving helmet of poisonous mushrooms and then count Olaf is not taking out of his disguise not behaving responsibly and ishmael is pissed at him and then he ends up putting a harpoon gun at count Olaf, but of course it hits the mushroom in the belly and all the spores are poisoned. They need that horseradish lane river now. And now they've spread fungus to this world. And Ishmael is just like, you know, being a leader is like being a parent. You don't always know what you're doing, which is very true. I think the Baudelaire's learned that their parents didn't exactly always know what they should do. And like, to me, so much of life is just waiting for people who have wounded you to finally die or you to finally die from the wounds that those people have caused you. It's like insane. But I want to know what the, because the sugar bowl, makes people immune to the effects of the mushroom but I want to know like what is it I guess it's like mixed in with horseradish sugar like I'm I'm very confused but the poor orphans are just like at a loss because now everybody is getting poisoned they don't know if the quagmires are safe. Poor Kit's kid is never going to meet his father. But they decide that they're going to figure out how to survive. So they go back to where Ishmael's place is. And they skim this book. And they figure out that the apples from the tree contain the immunity to the mushroom. It was the work that their parents did. And the incredibly deadly di the incredibly deadly viper is back. A diaper, lol. But um, the incredibly deadly viper is back. And it's kind of this weird like Adam and Eve Christianity metaphor going on in the book. As well as the film. And Klaus and Violet are like hallucinating at this time. But Sunny says, because the deadly viper brought them the apple to save them, which is so interesting, right? So interesting. And then Sunny saves her other siblings and she's like, bite the apple. I like cried. I can't also, I feel so bad that Sunny had to go through this twice and that her siblings had to go through this. It looks like such a painful process. Like the direction was so good. I feel so bad for their poor little traumatized bodies. Like it's so bad. But honestly, one of the best things you can ever taste is that first bite of the apple though, right? So they go to Olaf because they need his help to get Kit because the baby needs them and Kit won't eat the fruit she has lost too much so she just kind of like basically is suicidal refuses to go on which I guess would make sense for her to not be confident then at the beginning. Count Olaf doesn't really want to do it either and they're mad because they kind of demand Count Olaf's help because they're like you made us orphans in the first place and like now you're going to make the woman that you loves kid an orphan too and he kind of comes around but Count Olaf's stomach wound is really bad but I guess Count Olaf has been worse he says so Count Olaf like goes and helps with Kit and like kisses her 
because he's in love with her. It's kind of gross, but whatever. And he was like, he recites poetry to her eyes. It's hard because it's like, I wanted this one kind act. Like it did for a second make me forget his feelings, the way that he felt about Kit, the way that he really truly loved her. And I mean, that is like the testimony of abusers, right? Is like, they always can lure you back in. But Kit is like, you hurt people. And Kanaloff is like, you know, people hurt me. So they help Kit through labor. It's a difficult task, but it's a girl. And they name her after Beatrice. Um, they can't unfortunately save Kit. And so now there is yet another orphan, which is fitting for how the series ends on the orphans where it began. I love the circular ending. And these kids are literally now going to raise a baby. A literal baby is going to have to raise a baby. Welcome to VFD, you know? So they end up sailing this boat, but they also call Beatrice and they like read all of the stuff that their parents left behind on the island. I hope they gave the other island people the apples and like saved them. I don't know really what happened or if everybody just died. I feel like that's a little unclear. But anyway, if they were going to name Kit was having a boy, I guess they're going to name it Lemony. Countaloff's troop of actors found both artistic and positive fulfillment. Violet and them head back into the world with baby Beatrice. And Beatrice then goes, the second, finds Lemony as his niece. It's it's like a sweet ending. It's not like my favorite, right? This is like a really hard thing to end because there's so many like questions that I have. But all in all, I loved this series. I'm so glad that I got to share it with you. I'm sorry if this one was more confusing. There's so many plots in this last one that are like, they're like just hard to talk about. They're so like, they're so emotional for me. Like this whole last, those last books, they're just like very, very hit me in like the heart space. And I don't even know, I probably should have like waited to do this last one, but it didn't make sense. And this whole season has been about children dealing with grief because I thought that was an interesting topic. And that's like what I really wanted to explore. Next topic, we'll deal with like, more of like abuse too because those are like the topics I know about grief and abuse I'm so much fun at parties but um yeah it's been just great going on this journey with you guys and I I really encourage if you can get as much people to listen if you can download if you can support my social medias all of that stuff helps so much I know these podcasts are long but I love my details and I want to provide something so that parents can you know understand what they have to do and take this as some of your like me time, you know? I appreciate everybody who has listened. I hope you have a fantastic time and yeah, it's been great. I, I love the series. I have my boyfriend coming on talking about the movie and the next one. So yeah, it's going to be fun. So thanks so much for listening and have a good one, you guys.